Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week. and We have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back to Memoirs of Abiding. We have our Illumination Month, the month of October, and uh, bringing a little light into the world and the perceived a dark dark month the days are getting darker earlier um so we've got some light coming in and uh <laughs> helping me with that ricky as always it's great bringing you back was that a dad joke it was got a dad some, joke yeah got some light coming in <laughs> that's pretty good i was contemplating jokes i was thinking i saw shack you know the basketball player yeah he i I was watching this uh, sports thing, and he said, are you not entertained? And then I'm like, that's kind of cool what he said. And so then I tracked that down a little bit. Apparently, he says that a lot. And other people, stars, I guess, say that. I was thinking, ours is a lot better. Yeah. Are, although, you, not, are you not illuminated? <laughs> I am receiving some, um, what is it, Jerry Bruckheimer illumination here that was from gladiator when maximus decimus meridius is in the 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 oh is that where that comes from but one of the the small ones out in turkey or whatever and he throws the sword down are you not entertained and then they say (laughs) spaniard spaniard yeah so i did i did not know that well i i like that as a statement but i like this better are you not illuminated there we go because yeah. everybody who walks with the Lord can can have this this truth alive and active in them. Yeah. True. Yeah. You don't have to take out like six gladiators to do it. So that's good. No, I no. You don't have to be guy. you don't have to be special. You don't have to be important in the in the ways that we think. We are special and we're important because we're special and important to God. And he wants to talk to us, and that's what illumination's all about. And when he does it, I know he's present with me, and it just gives me joy. That's right. Yeah. That's good. So we've already looked at the life of Joshua. We've looked at Jeremiah. And uh, today, we are going to jump into the life of Paul. Hmm. Paul the Apostle, probably one of the most famous characters uh, in Bible reading because he's written so much of the the New Testament. And I think for the longest time, in a way, I idolized Paul's faith. I thought, man, if I, I could only if I could only have a portion of what that guy had. But I think yeah. we, we can we can certainly make the uh, the defense that those who walk in God's ways and make their life about glorifying God, transforming, because of it, I think they can live in that same same fashion. So, I think you're right about that. I think you know the Lord Jesus even 
talks about that, you know, he made that statement, that audacious statement, and you will do greater things than these. Yeah. You know, after yeah, well, after talking, you know, after talking about into that, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He, at, well, after talking about, you know, what God the Father did, did through him, he, he turns to the disciples and says, and you will do greater than this. I mean, you know, how can you do greater than Jesus? Well, uh, I don't know, maybe because you have 30 years and Jesus only had three years. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that's it. But there's a sense there that Jesus is saying this work of the God of the father through me is the work that you will do through the father, the spirit and I, as I abide in the father, you abide in me. So when you say, make the comment, you know, I'd kind of like to be like the apostle Paul, I would say, yeah, you're kind of like the apostle Paul. Yeah. I don't think you receive inspiration, but you receive illumination and you do the work of God and we're going to see that in the life of Paul. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, okay. So one of the, the main ones that stands out within our discipleship groups comes from, we look at Romans 4, well, 3 through 8, but specifically in 4, we see Paul take a, well, even in 3, he has a lot of uh, reminders of scripture from, from what happened before specifically in, in how none of us have met the intent of what God had for our relationship. But we see a big one come in, in Romans 4, and it's when he's describing Abraham and how Abraham was made righteous. Was it by works? Was it by accomplishing in his life? Or was it something else? And he quotes, and he says, for what... The scriptures say Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now he's quoting directly Genesis 15, 6. And Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in this time where Paul is trying to describe to the church in Rome, both the Hebrews and the Gentiles, what this new life is constituted in. He points to the progenitor of both the Jews and the Gentiles as far as uh, their faith, right? The, the Jews can track their physical, their, their family lineage all the way back to Abraham, whereas the Gentiles track their faith back to the same faith that Abraham had, which is Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul in his, his whole dissertation that he has here, goes into that. Yeah, that's really good because isn't he, his whole point here is to demonstrate the continuity between the old covenant and the new covenant, that there's definitely a fulfillment, a, a completion, and Jesus talked about it, and Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Absolutely. To to explain the law, to 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 fill out the law, to help you see the covenant. And there's a new covenant now, and that new covenant will be through my sacrifice. But the truth that remains the same is you shall live by faith. So Abraham didn't have a great walk with God because he was obedient. 
it was because he had great faith in God that he could be obedient. Is that, is that where you're at? Sure, and yeah. Then, and now Paul directly quotes that whole thing as he's being inspired by God to help everyone understand this particular truth, which we all desperately need to hear. Yeah. And in the process, he shows the continuity in God's plan. It wasn't a change. The old the old covenant that the Jews were still under, it wasn't like, oh, well, this didn't work. I'm going to this. He even throughout it points out to the fact that, no, in the beginning, it wasn't about following these Ten Commandments. It wasn't about all these sacrifices. It was showing Abram, or Abram at the time, was he was told that he would have a son through Sarai, and through him, many nations would be blessed. And he believed wholeheartedly that what the Lord had told him was the truth. So going to that, it wasn't about any of these works that he did. So in the process, Paul is explaining to the church in Rome, but to the greater church of Christ throughout the world was, it, it wasn't about what you do. It wasn't about anything that you've done in this life. It was about your faith in God and in his reconciling power and not in yours. And so, yeah, it's a great example that Paul uses and a, and a good example of illumination, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, the, the book of Romans is so rich with illumination as he is breaking down a lot of the understanding much like Jesus did as he explained to on the road to um, Emmaus um, to the disciples, all of this, this whole bit, much like Philip did describing to the eunuch that came from Ethiopia, describing the whole entirety of God's big picture, right? Uh, so Romans is full of it. And I think another one we can go to um, Can I ask you a question right there? Sure. So just so to be clear, the book of Romans is the wholeness of it. God gives to the Apostle Paul via inspiration, and we get the revelation of the book of Romans, the truth of God. But even as he's inspiring him to write, like you were looking at chapter 4, so as God inspires the Apostle Paul to write, what then can we say that Abraham, our physical ancestor, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to brag about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Now he remembers, now he's reminded, he's illuminated of the Genesis passage. Quote, Abraham believed God and it was credit to him for, un for righteousness, unquote. Now back, now to the one who works, and so on and so forth. So in the middle of the inspiration comes a moment of illumination. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, even the, the phraseology, for what does the scripture say? What does the previous word of God say? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. When I preach, that happens to me a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When I teach, it happens a lot. When I'm studying the Word of God, it happens a lot. Not the inspiration, not the inspiration part, but the illumination. I might be on one track. might, Or even in our discussion, oftentimes, we might be talking about something, and then all of a sudden, 
something from, you know, and we could say, you know, for what does the scripture say? And it's pre the word of God for us then comes into play and we'll, we'll reflect on that. It's pretty powerful to see that happening in the life of a, of the apostle. Yeah. It's even more powerful when we see it in our own lives. Yeah. 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 Amen. Um, well, it, you mean powerful in the personal sense. Yeah. And in, yeah. My, in my case, powerful in the evidentiary type sense, you know, to see it, uh, evidenced in the life of of the apostle yeah because it's it's the building of faith right if i see that paul had this example of illumination i could say oh yeah but it's paul you know paul yeah, was, yeah. was the yeah. apostle called by god to go of course god's going to give him illumination of the scripture but chris ricky you don't understand the scripture doesn't come to my mind scripture scripture isn't isn't on my thoughts it doesn't come to me in these times I sit there and say, God, where are you? And I don't get any scripture that comes to my head. So, but then when I do, it's like, oh, I've got something that the Apostle Paul was getting. In this moment, like you spoke just the, at the beginning, in this moment, I'm getting what Paul got. God yeah. is, is affirming me as his chosen one. Yeah. In the same yeah. way that he affirmed God, or it, the that he uh, affirmed the Apostle Paul, and then I go, wow! So then my faith is built, right? So yeah. that's the powerful side of it: is that yeah. it has true transformative power in my faith, not just in my whole being, but in my faith. My faith is transformed when I know that God is with me, even yeah. though He says it in Scripture. If I don't truly believe it in my heart, if I believe in my head, oh yeah, God's with me. Uh, except this one moment that I've kind of been in the dark. Uh, but then all of a sudden he's there. His scripture is illuminated in my mind. I read his word and all of a sudden, bam. And it's like, oh, no, he is. He he is here. And then I'm like, I'm not alone in this world. And uh, and then so then, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 comes up and it's like, oh, when he says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. He is. This is an example of him being with me always, even until the end of time. So, yeah, it's it is definitely powerful in that aspect. That's a, that's yeah, and that's that whole thing when we talk about John chapter fourteen and fifteen about the joy of the Lord is the strength of the Lord, peace, contentment that is stronger than the pull of all the hauntings of the past, because it is. It, it, I'm not after it for an emotional response, but that it happens is immensely emotionally satisfying. Yeah. Because it not I'm reminded of the word of God by God. <laughs> Therefore, I have a secondary reminder. What you just said is God is with me. And that is motivational to the nth degree. I, I can't do better than that, but to know that God is with me in the middle of whatever I'm in the middle of, good or bad, happy or sad. Hey, that even rhymed. I don't know if that, that was not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, and, and one thing, if, if you even look in popular culture, this idea, though not pointed towards God, but it's a powerful tool. When we look at when we look at movies 
and you have you know the protagonist goes through and they lose their mentor you have the the obi-wan and the luke skywalker you have um many different examples that we can go through and they're coming into a trial and then they remember the words of that sage one in their life and they're like oh they're you know, they're almost in a sense with me, or at least their words are still with me. Or the father that says on his dying bed, dad, I, I can't be without you. And he says, I'll be with you. My words will always be with you. And I'll remind you of who I, right? That's that same idea in, a, in you know, the secular sense of it. But how powerful is it there? Well, how much more powerful is it when it truly comes from God and the words give us power and strength to support us beyond just our own ability? And we see this uh, again in, in Romans 11. I want to go into that one as well. Because in Romans 11, we see Paul really given, a, I guess, a, a humility check to the Jews. And that he points out the idea of this, uh, you know, the olive, olive trees that the Jews were, were seen as. And um, he goes into talking about, the grafting in of the Gentiles and talks about how, you know, the, the Gentiles were grafted in because the, the natural, the domestic olive was not, uh, was not producing. So we brought in the Gentiles and, and how much more could he easily snip the Gentiles off? So humility on that one, but he goes in and, and kind of gives this humbling to Israel, but he continues on and he, he starts talking about the, the place, though, that Israel has. And we go into verse 25, talking about Israel getting saved. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the number of the Gentiles has come in. So all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come. From Zion, he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. But he continues on. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, election to the kingdom, uh, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, though they too now have become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that they or he may have mercy on them all. Um, so talking about this, this distinction between the Israelites and the Gentiles, and then he points out both the same thing that he points out in in Romans 4 and in Romans 5, that there is really no difference between Jew and Gentile, Gentile as far as coming into the kingdom. Um, Can I interrupt you for a second? Absolutely. In the middle of that, verses 26 and 27 is another moment of illumination, right? Yeah. The, the liberator will come from Zion. He will turn away from godlessness from Jacob. The liberator, the savior, the Messiah. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So the truth of the good news, the Messiah would come, he would die for our sins. 
was announced long before the New Testament period, right? Even the phrase, yeah. this will be my covenant. Those, those words, the liberator will come from Zion. He will turn away godlessness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. That's directly quoting the new covenant passages that we find in Isaiah and Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophets. So here again, he's receiving this particular truth to give to the people then in the first century. And he's illuminated once again by the word of God. So within inspiration comes illumination. Only this time it doesn't, he says it again, verse 26, and in this way all Israel will be saved as it is written. <laughs> uh, Paul makes the point of, of helping us understand as it is written or as it was written, that, that allusion or quote, the illumination of what has come before. That's a great example. It gets better though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I, I know you get really excited about this one. Do you want to continue it? No, you go ahead. Okay. So then we get to verse 33. And he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. There in the final bit of 11, do we see an example of illumination when he is reaching back to both Isaiah chapter 40 and Job chapter 41. We see this cross-reference there about well, one in Job, um, who who gives to God, and in Isaiah, who's who's God's counselor. I love it too that. So you're saying that in when he says, "Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge," that in that last section, verses thirty-three through thirty-six, in there, at some point is quotes from. Job and Isaiah. But it's almost more than that because he's been quoting all through this book, right? The like in John 14, 26, where Jesus says, you know, the Holy Spirit will come and will remind you and teach you of all these things. The word of God will come back. The word previously written as it was written, as the scriptures were written. They will come to your mind. But this passage here is like the kind I really want to have because Paul is now stepping away, so to speak, from this treatise, this logical connection, description, exposition of what it means to live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How righteousness, a new righteousness, is evidenced because the savior came and our sins can be washed away and he bust out oh the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of god exclamation mark so to speak how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways for my goodness who's known the mind of the lord who's 
been his counselor or who's ever first given to him and has to be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. His own words and previous words, verses 36 and 30 or 34 and 35, those two verses are quotes from what you referred to, Job and, and Isaiah. And it's very personal to him at this moment. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think it's all personal, right? I think Paul's enraptured as he's <laughs> writing the book of Romans. I heard one preacher say, could he have written this without, you know, without the, uh, without the, the pages that he's writing being, you know, the ink being smeared with with teardrops. I, I think that's probably true because at other times in the book of Romans, he he busts out with these kinds of, you know, exclamations of praise. Uh, he did it another time, I think, in Romans eight, uh, when he talks about all of the the uh, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on. They're exclamations of praise. But here he is illuminated once again by a particular truth. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Who, who's been his counselor? Who's ever first given to him and has to be repaid? Only God can know these things. And he's revealing it to us. That joy that he's feeling, that thrill that he's feeling, that's what keeps us moving right yeah that's 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 part of the reward of not only accepting christ as our savior but abiding in him as a savior it's a joy and a contentment and a peace that is that is miraculous moment by moment well i'm not the apostle paul but i'm getting chill bumps just knowing he had chill bumps yeah <laughs> Because that's audacious truth. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Not me. Not you. Not Paul. Who's ever been his counselor? Not I. Yeah. Who's ever first given to him and then therefore had to stick his hand out and say, oh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Now pay up, God. <laughs> you know, God doesn't repay us. Nobody. But here he is being inspired to give this truth, and now it's for all of us. And in that moment, he's illuminated by these great truths. And I, I wonder, you know, at that point, did he just get out of his chair and get down on his face and spend some time in prayer? Because directly after verse 36, he goes right back into the treatise mode. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 12.1, I urge you, and he goes back into more instruction. I think that choice that you've made to see illumination through the life of the Apostle Paul is perfect. I hope folks get what we're trying to say. And not that we're trying to say it, but that we're wanting to teach this. Yeah, point to the Lord and teach this wonderful truth that even as Jeremiah and Joshua and Paul received the fulfillment of what Jesus said in John 14, 26, so we too can have that same illumination happen to us. 
and I know you've told me before, and and I've said it before. We have those moments of thrill. It is like, oh my goodness, <laughs> the one who knows everything, whom no one can counsel, condescends to share with us his heart. Yeah, yeah. And you said something that stood out to me. I mean, you, we were talking about this before, and you had said, well, you know, it's, I I have this happen as I'm preaching and as I'm teaching. And some people may say, well, you're a, you're a pastor, so of course it, it needs to come to you. What about me as a layman? Mm-hmm. How, do, how does that, it, it's not going to happen to me as much, right? But here we are, com- I don't want to say comparing, but contrasting Paul and ourselves. And we've, we've gotten illumination. Now, Paul is an epic level preacher compared to, well, me, right, with no formal education in it. And you have 40 years, 50 years of, of preaching and teaching. And still, Paul is epic level preacher compared yeah. to you. So yeah. if we look at it from that sense, well, yeah, but Ricky gets in, or, uh, the illumination where Paul got it. And then Chris, who's nowhere near the, the level that Ricky is, still gets it. So then why can't everyone else get it? Well, they can. But here's the important yeah. distinction. Is the word of God in your life? Not have you read the Bible? Not have you read a devotional? Not have you read a book that talks about different parts of the Bible? Do you physically pick up your Bible that you own, that you have in your house, or on your phone or device or whatever it is? Do you pick that up and do you read it? But not only stopping there and reading it, not only getting a couple chapters in every day, but truly dive in. Um, We talked about this at our our teen group the other night. We've got a discipleship group for teenagers. And the idea came up and it's like, if you, it's actually a girls group. If, if a boy that they liked, if they sent a text or wrote a little note or said some things in a phone call, those ladies, and they admitted openly to it, they would they would break down, they would try to decrypt every word that that gentleman had said to try to figure out if there was some underlying, you know, like love note in there, or you know, maybe he maybe he meant something more by this, right? Yeah. So we use that analogy, and I said, okay, let's take that to Scripture. Let's say God is that that number one in life that you just hope to be you know, engaged to. Wouldn't you want to look at every word that comes, that he speaks to you through his word, his love letters? Wouldn't you want to break down and see if there's any underlying theme or anything else about who you are or who he is or this plan of his to bring you to him. Like that's the level we want to read scripture. And when we do that, we are meditating on God's word. We are pouring that into us, not just reading it and saying, yep, got chapter one done today. How about you, Ricky? Oh, I got, yeah, I read it too. I even read it into chapter two. Dang it. Well, you yeah. so I got to go read it real quick. No, yeah. then yeah. we're just speed reading or we're just reading and saying, 
okay, I, I had a purpose and the purpose was to read. No, no. When we talk about transformative reading, we're talking about reading and maybe you only get four verses, but you were really thinking on those verses. You're, you're asking God, what does this mean about me? Is there any identity piece in here about who I am? Does this show your character, God? Is there something in here that, that I need to learn about who you are so that when these temptations in my life come up, that I can respond knowing the character of God is there for me, that he will always be there with me? Or is there something about this wonderful wooing, this courtship that he's done with the church overall throughout time and existence where he's called us to himself? And if there is, then I want to know about it so that I know fully who he is and, and, and this beauty that we have between us. So when you read it like that, that's when you start to see God's word truly come alive in that sense in your mm -hmm. life. It just it's life giving. It's breathing out into us. Um, but if we just read it to skim over it or just to say we read it or we read it in another book or if we read a quick devotional, I don't think it has the same effect. Now, God's word goes out and it returns and it's never void. Right. But I think there's there's a torrential downpour when we fully dive into God's word unadulterated. Then when we have a whole bunch of preachers or authors opinions all around it. Man, I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. I get that. And and hence why we always we repeat the reminder about Psalm 119 and Joshua chapter one, you know, and Deuteronomy chapter six and and, and on and on. All those passages that tell us to do exactly what you're saying, you know, treasure the word of God in your heart. Lay it up like you like you store things away for, you know, like in the old days when people would, would can their own vegetables and they would store them for the winter because they couldn't go down to the store and buy anything. They live out, you know, little house on the prairie. And if you ran out of the ran out of what you stored up, you're going to go hungry. But if you stored it away because you you prize it, you you need it, you long for it, you have to have it. That's exactly the Apostle Paul, again, in another letter to, to the church in Colossae, chapter 3, 15 and 16. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let it, the word of Christ, richly dwell within you. That's, that's what you with passion are trying to tell folks. Yeah, you, just because you read it intellectually and memorize it doesn't mean that you've stored it up in your heart. I'm totally on board with you there. Well, it's one of the pillars, uh, the three pillars that you talk about, right? You no longer uh, read for information, but you read for transfer transformation. Yeah. Yeah, it, it actually reminds me, uh, I, you and your son turned me on to, to give this Lord of the Rings book a test, a try, a trial run, and I had tried <laughs> before. So I, I've been reading in that sparingly when I have time, but... When, when I hear the word treasuring God's word, it's almost to the level of like the golem with the ring. Oh, Not yeah. so much that it's it's the precious, but he has to 
pull it out of the pocket and look at it. Or same with Frodo later. He has to pull out the ring and look at it. It's something that he, he's got to make sure it's still there. Oh, I, oh yes. Okay, good. Oh, here it is. Here, oh, yes, I've, I've got it. And when we are treasuring God's word, that's where it, that's where it sits. It's like, oh, ooh, 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 can I can I get some more of God's word in? Or maybe I just want to think about it in the middle of the day. Oh, I remember, you know, I'm in Colossians right now. Oh, I, I remember it was talking about God's word being so important and what did it do? And then I built this little mind map that goes after it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then I, I go back and I read that same chapter again. And I, I reconfirm that in my mind. And I found a big shift in my life when I've changed my perspective on God's word. And it comes when I read it. And it's not like, okay, I'm going to read God's word today as if it was like an obligation or a burden. Like, okay, I can do this. But instead, when I open up God's word, I get this like this butterfly feeling or this, I don't want to call it anxiety, but like, an expectation of like, yes, what, what kind of craziness am I going to find in here today? Like, am I going to find something that just blows my mind? Am I going to find something that, that brings tears to my eyes because I didn't know that I was so cherished in this world or loved? Like, those are the things that now I experience when I read God's word, because it's, it is transformative and I understand that it is now. So I hope that everyone else can get to that point where God's word isn't just an obligation. It isn't just, okay, pastor told me to read this, this chapter this week, or I have to listen to 15 more sermons this week so I can get it beat into my head. No, it's, it's, I'm so excited that I get to pour God's word into my heart. Yeah. I think it, everybody Everybody must keep in mind that the word of God previously given is still the word of God. He doesn't change. You know, in our last podcast, when we talked about Joshua and, and Moses, where Joshua is like behind Moses listening to the very voice of God, right? And then when Moses passes away, it's Joshua's you know, God calls him to lead the people. And the first thing he says is meditate on my word, you know, recite it all day long. Literally says that in the first chapter. Well, why? Because it's still his word. So in the question that I think a, a believer has to, has to deal with is if the Lord Jesus Christ appears to you right here, right now, in what we call a Christophany, an, an appearance of the Savior, which happens so seldom in history, so very, 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 very seldom. But you knew that there was the Son of God there to talk to you personally and, and audibly, and you heard him and you saw him and you and you could reach out and touch him. Would you pay attention? <laughs> and would you be holy moly, mm -hmm. right? Would you be like, like Joshua in the tent of meeting as Paul as Moses went back to talk to the people? Joshua would stay in the tent of meeting. Oh, I think ostensibly he's staying because, my goodness, I get to sit in the presence of God. You know, of course we would if if we if if Jesus appears to us when we get to heaven. 
Will you be enraptured by every moment in time you have where God speaks to you personally? Of course. Yeah. Will you be having that feeling, that overwhelming feeling that we saw in Paul in, in chapter 11 of Romans? Oh, the wonder and the richness of the wisdom and the glory and the power of God. Of course, that's why we pour God's word away. It's not the printed page that's so important. It's the Prince of Peace, the God, the Father, the God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, who's speaking to us. That's important. So you're so right. You can't just be intellectual. It can't be ritualistic. It can't be, you know, I got to do my little devotional in the morning. And if that's, dear, dear listener, if that's how you are reading the Bible, please stop. If that's the only way you read the Bible, stop reading the Bible. Just quit reading the Bible if that's the only way you read it. And why do I say that? Because when you read the Bible that way, you are hearing the very word of God. And he's there with his word. He's always present with his word. And if you know the Lord through Jesus Christ as Savior, and that's the only kind of way you can read the Bible, that's not very respectful of who God is. He wants so much more for you. So take Chris's advice to heart. Pray about, think about, and now fill your heart with his word and let him do his work in your life. Amen. Right on. Yeah. Got kind of preaching. We got preachy today. Yeah, well, there's two soapboxes. There's a two for one deal. Okay. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh well, Ricky, would you uh would you pray us out? I would love to. It's an honor and a privilege, Father, to talk about your truth. And uh I hope uh, there would always be an exuberance coming from us as we do so. This is sometimes hard for a lot of people to accept that the written word of God that, that you have given to us is every bit as powerful, every bit as alive. You know, I think people get the idea that, well, if it's given to us by people, it's, you know, but the question that a person has to deal with then is, are you who you say you are? Can you use a burning bush in the wilderness? And, and uh, of course, the answer is yes. We, you, we work through double-minded people like King David and Abraham and Peter and, and me and so, and everybody else other than you, Lord Jesus, we're all misfits apart from you. Of course you can. It only is reasonable sense. Of course you can. And because you have, we have this word recorded for all time to lay up in our hearts. And God, I hope that as we as believers all pour it into us, and you speak it back to us, it will bring us that peace, that calm, that contentment, that joy that only can come from you. 
and may it override all the crazy patterns that we've developed in our lives for your glory, for our benefit, and the benefit of others who know us. In your name we pray. Amen. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.